Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Welcome to another episode of the Relatable Voice podcast. On today's road trip, the RV is picking up Gary Smith in Italy. Gary is an entrepreneur, photographer, the author of the Warring Steel Grave series and the award-winning book, a collection of short stories and poems. So Gary, benvenuto. No, welcome to the RV. Yeah, benvenuto. <laughs> Grazie. Thank you for thank you for having me. Uh, yes. This is a pleasure for me. Prago is my pleasure as well. So Gary, you live six months in California and six months in a very small village in northern Italy. Correct. Yeah. So Correct. What is special about Murialio that made you choose it? Well, it was uh, ever since I was a little boy, my grandmother, who lived in Berkeley, California, would tell me when we go visit, when you go, they will know you. And it's the village of my uh, grandfather and great grandfather. And the little that I know, it was here. And then, you know, you get to a point, you want to try and find the place. But all the elders have passed. And, but she always gave me the archives and stuff. So after a lot of searching, uh, my wife and I were coming on a 20 year anniversary uh, to Milan. And I said, we got an extra day. I'm not sure this is the right place. Let's go see if we can find it. So we hired a driver. And as we go up and enter into the village, there's a five-star restaurant in this little village, if you can imagine, with the view of the Po Valley. And so we go in there for lunch and there's nobody there but the proprietor. And we asked if, if there was a, a, a Milano Aqua a, a mill uh, nearby, which would have been my great great grandfather's. And he says, oh, yes, just down the road and pulls out a photograph. And uh, I said, I had the keys for this. And, and, and so he says, sit and I'll call and someone will take you down there. Well, it wasn't 20 minutes later in the lunch when a woman was standing behind me with pictures of my grandparents asking me to come to lunch. I mean, come and have coffee after lunch. So we did. And as I walked in, I looked and there's a picture of my mom, her sister and her brother on the wall. And she puts her arms around me and says, uh, Welcome home. We've been waiting a long time for you to return home. This was the house your grandfather was born in. This was your great grandfather's house. And uh, so that's what was so special about it for me. Uh, I uh, spoke no Italian at the time, uh, but uh, went back to the States, enrolled in a junior college to learn the, the Italian the best I can. Mm-hmm. It's still very bad. And, uh, and started returning every year. That was 12 years ago. And so I found lots of cousins and everybody in this little village wow. that, 
And my great grandfather's mill is there. And since I've done some research and online, I found that it's the last of the mills that were on that creek. And it was been there since the year 700. Wow, this is beautiful. So if you can imagine how, uh, and my house here, the house I live in was, was built around 1550. There are so many stories there in, in where you were living. Yes, it's, uh, for a writer, it's, a, it's, been, it's been a great journey, you know. Yeah, and I was looking at this city and the landscape is stunning. I saw that there are several UNESCO World Heritage sites nearby. Is that correct? Yes, yes. There is, yeah, the, uh, the, the National Park uh, is, is only about uh, 30 minutes away. And I think it was one of the first uh, uh, historical sites uh, for the nice. world heritage. I would like to visit someday. You can see my office behind me. The next time you're in my line, come and we'll do a show from, from, from in here. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Carrie, um, you have a very interesting journey. Can you share it with us? Sure. Where do you want me to start? I mean, it's, uh, I, I started reading quite young, and I should have maybe never read the poem by Robert Frost, you know, about coming across the path in the woods. Uh, I took that to heart, and I've always uh, taken the path less traveled, and uh, I was born in Hayward and went to high school there. And I was supposed to be the first in my family to go to college. And uh, my sophomore year in high school, I started uh, working with an uncle who had a contracting, cement contracting business. And I loved it. I, I was just digging ditches and pouring concrete. And, and so when school started, I dropped all, all of my, all of my uh, college classes and... Uh, Said no, I'm going to uh, I'm going to get out of school and go out and live in the world, and so that's what I did. I upon graduation, I, uh, the Vietnam War was going on, and everybody was getting drafted. I joined the Navy, Naval Air Reserves, um, and started as a laborer digging ditches out of the local uh, hall. And within five years, uh, I was a uh, I was. Uh, uh, electrician. I found a trade, got in as an apprentice. Uh, nine years later, I started a company, a small company, and then it ended up being national and doing large uh, industrial projects uh, all over the United States and built that in, into there and uh, into success. And then uh, after uh, finding the Muyayo, I, I said, enough of this. I, I just closed the business, uh, didn't need no more money. Uh, I just closed the business and uh, said, no, I'm, I'm going to go off and write the last chapter of my life. I mean, the kids are all grown. And so pretty much the first steel grade book, that's what, what he does. He's retired and his wife gets killed in a car wreck and, and he's 65 years old. And he says, uh, and he's thinking to himself, all his friends, he hangs with, they just talk about golf scores and, and blood pressure medication. And he was going to go off to Italy, learn Italian, find his family. And if there's any left and, uh, 
and write his last chapter. He had no more responsibilities to anybody, and but only to himself. And that's how the series starts, and uh, and then it pretty much continues from there through each of the books. Although each book is a standalone book, but uh, being here and being a photographer, they all have photographs of the area. <laughs> and uh, we go along with the stories and uh, with the with the plot, and so it's been well received. Mm -hmm. And you are very successful, and you've never graduated from college, as you were telling me. So, yeah. do you think that not finishing college limited the opportunities for you? or prompt you to work harder to accomplish your dream? Well, I, I was asked to go back and speak at high schools a lot, okay? And, and until they didn't really care for the message I was giving. You're starting to hear the message more now that uh, uh, college isn't for anybody and everybody. I mean, if you're gonna be a doctor, you're going to college. This is what I tell the kids. You know, and I said, and I'd ask them, you know, I'm these sophomores in high school, I say, so uh, who's, who's think they're going to go into the medical field? Someone would raise their hand and I'd say, oh, you volunteering over at the hospital? And they'd look at me like I was crazy. I said, you're going to put in all these years in the study to find out you don't like the smell of a hospital? And, and, and I would tell them that uh, I don't care what your grades are coming out of medical school. Uh, they're not going to let you open up that person's head unless you've got experience. And so you might as well start getting experience now. You get the feel of the place. You get to know people. You know, build your confidence all through school. And if you're not willing to go volunteer, maybe maybe you should look at another choice in life. You're in high school, and now's the time to go out and volunteer your time and work until you until you find something you like. And then that's your pursuit. And and I tell them, you know, success comes in in many genres. If you find yourself working for a janitorial company and you love listening to music or a book while you're cleaning this huge office building, college isn't for you. And if you pursue that, in 10 years, you'll have the largest janitorial company in the Bay Area. Yeah. <laughs> you know, follow your heart and follow your passion and it will work out in about 10 years. And the trick in high school is, is to find that passion and not let church, parents, friends, relatives dictate your, what they think is going to be your successful path. I don't think that'll work or never did work. So, no, I don't think not going to college helped me back. When I had a need to, to learn Italian, I went to college. I didn't go to an adult uh, Italian speaking class or someone going on, on first. I went back to college and got an AA degree in Italian because it was important to me. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I think that school's very important, but it's, 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 it's a fine point. It's, there's, if, you, if, you, if you don't need the knowledge, you're, you're kind of wasting time there. You yeah, know? absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, especially in the States, uh, everybody that uh, runs uh, the railroad is retiring. And, uh, and, we and there's no one left to know how to make the boilers start when they're down. You know, it's not on YouTube. And, it's, uh, <laughs> and, and there's a lot to say about the vocational page. And I, I, I would get at odds with the school. 
because I tell them, you know, most of these kids aren't going to do well in college. It's not going to be for them. And you've got them already feeling like a failure if they don't go. And that's not the case. They said, no, we, we, we counsel them on, uh, on, uh, on the vocational trades. I said, no, you don't. And you've got a counselor who went to college, who believes in the system, it worked well for him, telling him there's an alternative. And you need to get that retired uh, uh, millwright or that retired carpenter uh, to, to be volunteer in time. You know, he built the high rises in San Francisco. He had crews of two or 300 men, maybe, you know, and, 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 and did the engineering, helped the engineers with the problems they were having in the construction and stuff and never went to college. This is the guy that they can relate to. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, you got me off on a subject that's a pet peeve of mine because uh, I, I look at these kids and so many of them felt like uh, they're being forced into college. They didn't want to go to college. And uh, so, yeah, you know, they, they, uh, the other one for me is dyslexia. I, I'm dyslexic. And, uh, and now they're starting to see it as the gift that it is. But, you know, the generation between mine and now, they test you, put you on chemicals and blah, 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 blah. When, when you're probably the smartest person in the room, you just think differently than everybody else. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so at least that's changing somewhat now, too. So. I was surprised when you said that you are dyslexic because people with dyslexia often have writing difficulties. So what is your writing process? Well, <laughs> one of the short stories talks about the writer who's a dyslexic, you know, and that's, and that's, that's pretty close to the words that, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, proofreading uh, many, many, many times by many other people is important. Some days I can only write 250 words. Some days it's 1,200, uh, depending on how the lighting is and how lighting seems to affect your dyslexia a lot. And uh, it's frustrating when you're when you're trying to finish a scene and you're starting to realize that that the you're transposing letters within a word, <laughs> you know, and and uh, and you, and you want to get the scene finished, but you know you're about done with that, and you have to go off do something else for an hour or two, and then come back. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, it's just uh, you know, but there were so many great artists, great mathematicians and people that are dyslexic. I think Einstein was. But I know John yeah. Lennon was and, and Edison couldn't even get through the eighth grade. Really? Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, so they just, uh, the process is different for us. We, we, we always have a unique, different point of view. And so that's, um, yeah. and always have a lot to contribute, you know. If, if you're not made to feel like you're stupid in the third and fourth and fifth grade. If, if they don't, you know, if, you know, if the underlying message, well, you need help, we're going to give you this crutch, we're going to give you this special class. I was fortunate. When I went through school, it was either you passed the grade or they held you back. Nobody was looking about dyslexia or testing for any kind of, no. any kind of disorder. It was, you know, you, no. and as a dyslexic, you figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
and that there are so many like smart people as you were telling me who have for example dyslexia adhd yeah yeah I've got all those. <laughs> it just to me, it just me. I have all those. <laughs> uh-huh. I have ADHD symptoms, yeah. but I've just realized, like last year, and I said, I can't believe. And then everybody said, Of course you do. Sure. Just you you didn't tell. know. <laughs> they talk a lot, and they're never still. <laughs> the mind never slows down. Yeah, uh, which is the hardest. Yeah. Part sometimes, uh, yeah, for me is is you know you're fatigued and you're tired and 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 uh, you can't sit down and eat a meal without uh, having something to read or watching something on TV or or be working on a problem or you know it's it's constant you know the mind's constantly going. I so. understand you completely. <laughs> I keep thinking and thinking, and sometimes I'm so tired and. I didn't do anything like I sometimes I wake up and I I'm reading all the time and I say wow but I I was not cleaning I was not doing anything physically you you know what I mean I I feel exhausted because I keep having plans and thinking about the future or what I'm going to do in the next 10 minutes thinking about what I can do and this is tiring But back to you, can you quickly tell us the story behind the Warren Stillgrave series? I I get asked that a lot, you know, and especially from family members because I write in the first person mostly. uh, I think the third book was in third person. Mostly in the first person, I feel it draws a person into the story and they're part of it because you're reading I went into the room and not he went into the room, you know, which for a murder mystery kind of puts some people off a little bit because it's, it's easy to read. He went in and murdered the person. Then I went in and murdered the person, you know, what I mean? uh-huh. <laughs> they get drawn a little bit too much into the story. Maybe I always wanted to write, it seemed at a very, very early age. And then, uh, I was asked to serve on a committee for the state of California called the Leadership Connection Project, in which they were doing books on. Anyway, I was I was asked to serve. I did. I was the only one without a degree. Everybody had PhDs and masters or whatever. But the book we were working on was for high school students, and it was called the Options and events in their life, how you make decisions and how decisions were basically the parents of the book. We were asked to write um, each contributor uh, contribute three articles and I contributed three, didn't think nothing about it, and all three were accepted in, in for, for the book. Well, uh, I wrote one about the death of my son. He was only, he only lived about five hours. He was born premature, but I got to sit with him and hold him while he passed and my business was failing at the time and I realized I had to make a choice I could go home with this deep grief in a dark room and let my business fail and he would through eternity carry that burden and he was the excuse or I could I could choose to see that for sure didn't get the determination to make sure it went on so it just wouldn't be if I want to fail I want to fail on my own time you know not have him as an excuse. 
Well, at the end of this conference, they had us all come back and uh, to congratulate us, give us our copy of the book, our little plaque, all that kind of stuff. And at the luncheon, as it started to end, the host stood and says, uh, before we end it, I want to read something. And he read the shorts, but he read that piece on my son passing. And, and I was I was sitting there and right away you could tell, and I was starting to get embarrassed, very uncomfortable. He finishes it and he says, Gary, would you please stand? And he says, thank you for this. And ended the, the luncheon. Well, I grabbed my stuff and I was booking for the door, man. I, you know, I was embarrassed. And I hear this guy calling my name. Hang up, Gary, hold up, hold up. And I turn around and this guy comes out of the crowd, somebody I never met before. And he stops and he, He's catching his emotions a little bit. And he says, um, he said, I couldn't let you leave without telling you I've had a similar circumstance and what you wrote uh, has changed my whole perspective on that. And I want to thank you for that. Shook my hand, disappeared in the crowd. So from that point on, I, I felt I had a voice and maybe something to say. And so finally having found Muyayo and then taking the Italian classes, we had to, uh, the advanced Italian class, we had to write essays uh, in Italian off an article that we've gotten out of the paper over here. And the first half we had to write what the article was about. And then the second half we could kind of free write. And I, that unopened the gates. I enjoyed that so much that uh, um, it was right after those classes I started the, the Warm Steel Grave uh, series. And of course, yeah, I think Hemingway said it best. If you haven't experienced it, you can't write it. And so it started uh, with him coming to Italy and finding family in a little town and and then uh, ending having bought a house here and then it mm -hmm. continues from there. So Hemingway. that's how we got to the Warren Still Grace series. Uh -huh. And how many books to, to write for these? There's, uh, there's uh, five books in the series to date. And then the sixth book was the collection of short stories. I wanted to get away from the series a little bit. You know, you're, after about the third or fourth book, the characters are already defined, the areas are already kind of defined, and you start feeling like maybe this is getting a little too repetitive. So I, 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 wrote, I wrote the book of short stories, which was a challenge to write 24 short stories in a row, all different was, 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 a, was a big challenge. And I just finished a uh, 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 seventh book, and it's the sixth book in the Warren Steel Grave uh, series. Uh, it's, right now, I'm going through the process of um, proofreading it and putting and inserting uh, photographs and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. hopefully, it'll it'll be out sometime in August. Gary, you've been doing so much. You and I forgot that you are a photographer. So Gary. Stories talk about people, their dreams and desires, passion, challenges, problems. So in your opinion, what makes a story interesting and impactful? Well, I, I, I think first you got to open up yourself and drop all considerations and get rid of the idea that, that your life experience is so different than everybody else's that you got to kind of keep it hid. No, <laughs> no, everybody, you know, which is what I try to do with the short stories. Uh, each story is different, but, you know, they're all a human experience uh, taken from 
mostly my life. You know, some aren't even fiction. Two or three of them aren't, aren't even fiction, but most of them are. But it's still, it's it's that story about human connection and uh, and and that we've all experienced. You know, we've all had a, we've all had a favorite pet we've lost or someone close to us we've lost. We've all we've all had a friend. We've all been scared. We've all and so. I think you need to weave that into the story. You've experienced that. You've experienced those things. But a lot of people want don't want to share that. And if and so I think uh, it starts with the author. You have to be willing to expose that. You know that's what caused Hemingway so much grief was when he threw all his friends under the bus. Nobody wrote like that. And they keep saying no one wrote like that. Well, they don't. They're not clear. No one. They, until Hemingway, no one spoke about people as being in that human. I mean, these people were rich and they, in the sun also rises, that, you know, rich people weren't supposed to have this kind of debauchery going on in their life. And, uh, and uh, you know, he wrote what he experienced. Uh, he experienced that summer and uh, made a lot of people mad, um, really? which I think is the biggest consideration for most people when they write. Uh, they want to they want to write in a fantasy or something but even in a fantasy if you're going to write a fictional fantasy to give those characters life you got to give them a little bit about your heartache you know life's not easy and uh, you've got to weave that in the story yes exactly and about your short stories book so what do you hope your readers will get away of this book so how we, will they feel or be different after reading it? Well, I, I, uh, I wasn't sure how well it was going to be uh, received, but uh, I've gotten emails back from people that, uh, you know, sometimes we underestimate the readers and, and they got the point. They wrote back and I, one, one, they wrote back and said, you know, I've had to sit down and reevaluate my life after reading some of these stories. And another one said, took me two readings to get through one to keep from crying. And another one, uh, I got an email that says, you know, Annie in the Bat, I've read it four times. I laugh so hard every time I almost fall out of the chair. And so uh, that's what I would hope for. And Gary, the covers of your book books have picturesque images and they are just stunning so did you take those pictures yeah well that's the one advantage i have over most other authors is i can uh, not only do the uh, the cover photos for the book i can do cover i can do uh photos throughout the books. I used to be, the first five books were just in black and white, but now um, I'm gonna go ahead and finish like this last book, the photographs will be covered in the books and so will be, uh, and uh, so was um, the short stories, all those photographs, they're all mine. And so, yeah, the public choice says, uh, do you get permission for these photographs? Where'd you get these? I said, no, I own them. <laughs> Would you like to leave a message to our listeners, Gary? Well, I, 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 I would. I, I, I would think that if they have an inkling to write, they should start writing. I tell that to everybody. Uh, you know, um, if nothing more is a way to get to your deeper inner feelings. Uh, I hope my uh, 
my books would 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 provoke that somewhat, like the Italian classes when we had to write. Uh, I end up with uh, with seven books, six novels, and a collection of stories. Uh, so I would I would tell them to do that and make a big difference. And there's something about what you feel, and when you write it, transforms to your hand on paper. And I, and I say the biggest obstacle is considerations. Considerations what people think. Uh, they're going to think I'm writing about them. Uh, you know, my husband or my wife's going to be all upset thinking that I'm in, I've fallen in love with somebody because of because of uh, I'm writing about a love story and 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 love at first sight. Uh, you know, and so. You, you, you have to drop those considerations and it makes a huge difference in the rest of your life, the rest of your day. Um, yeah. At least it has for me and I think it would for, for many, many people. Mm -hmm. We tend to get into that tunnel vision, especially after 30 and, you know, focused on family career and, da -da -da -da, and we're so concerned our boss is going to get upset if we say this or if we write that. Uh, what am I, you know, and, and we allow that to control our lives. And there's nothing wrong with just being human and realizing that uh, we all have our faults and they have the, everybody else you talk to, they had the same faults, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> and they all have the same faults. They're all hiding behind some mask and just drop those considerations and uh, yeah, change the name. And, and yeah, and yeah, <laughs> and whether, it's, whether it's sculpturing or photography or uh, writing, uh, that would be the message I'd want to give your listeners, you know, go out and explore the world. Don't, 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 don't wait for death to come upon your door. Go out and meet it halfway, you know. Wonderful. I love your precious advice. We should always try, always, always try. Do not think too much. No, I've never learned anything from my success. Everything I've learned that's put my life ahead has been from a failure. And, uh, and knowing that I'm not going to do that again. And that's, those are the lessons that I've met. And, and I've had this eclectic kind of life. I started as a laborer. I, I was a businessman. I served six years as a director and vice president of a hospital. I, uh, I hold three patents. I, uh, I, uh, you know, I, it's, I, I studied, I was, I was selected to study with Ansel Adams, uh, and Ruth Bernhardt, Lucien Clure, photography. I, uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, and it's because I've always taken the path less traveled, the, the unsure one, the one that uh, you don't know where it's going. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, that's made the biggest difference, just like Robert Frost said, that made the biggest difference in my life. Congratulations, Gary. And thank you very much for spending your time with us here and would you mind leaving all your contacts yes uh let me see uh website is garysmithauthor.com the twitter handle is uh at g underscore smith author facebook page if somebody wants to follow there it's the willing by capital g capital s no capital g smith capital a author so, Gary, thank you very, very much. Enjoy summer. Thank you. You're a very, very easy interviewer. Very professional job. Thank you thank very you. much. 
If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.